Hello, world, and welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Tasha. I'm so excited for this week's episode because we're going to talk about a movie I watched a couple days ago. So let's get into it. It is called They Call Us Monsters. I saw this on YouTube. And fun fact, YouTube has movies that you can watch, but you just have to watch the ads. So like it's movies with ads, if that makes sense. So like you'll watch part of a movie and then like a five second ad will come up and then the movie will get back into it which I think is cool it's also free so it's like free Hulu minus the insane amount of ads they put in every tv show slash movie they play that's besides the point so this movie was really good so I thought it was a scary movie and if you know me I love scary movies so I was like well they call us monsters it's probably a scary movie about like some possessed toy or something like that that was not the case it followed uh, three teenage boys who are in a juvenile detention center and they're being tried as adults. I was so into it. It's like maybe an hour and 45 minutes long. I was so into it. I was like fully invested. It was heart-wrenching. It was funny at some points. I 10 out of 10 would recommend this movie. It just opened my eyes to a lot of things. And then I was like, I need to talk about this with someone. And who better else to talk about it to than you guys? I think part of the reason why this movie really hit home for me is because when I was a senior in high school, way back in 2014, I had to do a project uh, about a subculture. And because I had a family member who went to prison and was in confinement, I was really invested in the subject. So I was like, well, what is it like in prison? What is What are the codes? How do you behave? I know the rules are different in confinement than they are when you're not in confinement. So let's talk about it. So I did some research on it and I was absolutely in love. Like not with the system itself, but I was just so fascinated with how things worked and the rules and regulations and the unspoken rules and regulations that existed. And I was like, oh my goodness. So that... Uh, let me to watch shows like 90 Days. I think it's called 90 Days. It's like the show where people uh, volunteer to be confined. I think it's called like 90 Days Behind Bars or something like that. Something with 90 Days. I know they're there for 90 Days. So anyway, I was researching that. And then there was a moment where I don't want to actually, you know what, watch it. But I hate to ruin it. Spoiler alert. One of the kids ends up coming back. He was released and ends up getting rearrested. So I was like, what is the rate of rearrests that exist when someone does leave confinement and I was doing some research and if you know me I love to look stuff up and learn more about different topics so I looked up recidivism rates now if you don't know what recidivism is fancy word uh, it pretty much means the rate in which you are re-arrested for an offense it doesn't necessarily have to be the same crime that was committed that led to confinement but you do you do become a repeat offender is what that term means so I was doing some research because I love to look stuff up. I love to learn new things. I think that's why I'm in nursing school because like everything's changing. You have different methods of how to do different things. Like nothing's like set in stone. So I love, love, love learning and reading. So this was like something I was really excited to share with all of you. And I think I might make it a continued episode because there's a book that kind of ties into this, but I'll talk about that at the end. Let's talk about the background of the federal and state prison rate within the U.S. So roughly uh, 0.7% of the United States is currently in federal or state prison, which is close to 1%, which would mean one out of 100 of people that exist in the world or specifically in the U.S. 
have been confined. So, to go into to go further into that, the U.S. incarcerates 698 people per 100,000 people. That is a lot, if you think about it and you do math, which I'm not going to get into because it's a whole other topic, <laughs> a whole other side of me that likes numbers. So, more specifically, to go to the state in which I live in, uh, New York State has a recidivism rate of 43% in three years. So that means within three years. 43% of people who were confined end up going back to confinement. So let's talk about who is confined and where they are, what ethnicity they are, what background they come from, and just so we get an idea of the diversity that exists within confinement. 1.5% of inmates are Asian, 38.5% of inmates are Black, 2.4% of inmates are Indigenous, 57.6% of inmates are white, and 30.1% are Hispanic. And then, if you want to go further into detail, 69.9% are non-Hispanic. Now, that is not equal 100%. It's a little bit over 100% if you do the math. But that is just the statistics that I found online. And, yeah. I also wanted to know what was the highest crime or, like, the biggest reason why someone would go to confinement. And I looked it up because I was... My Google search history is crazy right now, <laughs> but I wanted to know, like, what what is the crime that leads people to go back to jail? I hate the word crime, so I'm going to use offense. What is the biggest offense that leads people to go back to jail? And the highest offense is of recidivism is drug use, and behind that is property crime. I thought that was very interesting, just because I feel like we have these assumptions about people and well, they did X, Y, Z, so they're going to do X, Y, Z when they get out. And it's like, well, actually, the crime that you might have committed is not the same crime you go back to confinement for. Very weird. So, okay, I keep saying confinement instead of, like, jail and prison just because it was part of this book that I read, um, which I'm probably going to do another episode on it. And it just changed the way I view the incarceration industry that we have in this country it also made me change the language I use I love being exposed to new things and then using that knowledge to in turn change the way I view the world and that is something that I just I think it's like a craving I have it's like insatiable like I just love to learn and grow as a person which I think everyone should do but Towards the end of the episode I'll talk about that book and I'll probably do a whole new episode about that book because it's a Great book. Great read. There was a study done in 2018 about the arrest rates after someone leaves confinement or is released. And it had focused on a study that took place in 2005. So roughly over 400,000 people were released in 2005. And within a nine-year period, close to 2 million arrests took place. 60% of those arrests happened between years four and nine. 68% of released people were arrested within three years, 79% were arrested in six years, and 83% within nine years. 47% of people who were not mentioned within the three years above were arrested throughout years four to nine, 44% of people were arrested in year one, and 24% were arrested after year nine. So that's adults. So this movie focused on juvenile detention center. So let's talk about young people. When it comes to juvenile recidivism, the rates are roughly 50%, so half and half. 
And within three years, 70% of these kids are back in juvenile detention centers. The recidivism rate is 76% for those young people within three years and 84% in five years. A fact that I learned that really surprised me was that 2.1 million youth under the age of 18 are arrested and 1.7 million of these youth of this population are sent to juvenile detention centers and the others are sent to prison. Now, if you do the math, that's a lot of kids who are being sent to juvenile detention centers, and also a large number of them are being sent to prison. So I guess the bigger question is, why do we care? I care because I love working with kids. I love kids. I think they are the future of this country. I think they are the foundation in which we are going to expose ourselves and learn new things. I think they are the movers and shakers of the world. And if they are not nourished properly, if they're not given the right resources, if they're not supported wholly or given the support that they need, then we're failing them. And that is just my personal opinion. This movie really hit home for me because I did have a family member who was confined. And okay, so on the side, I do tutor people. And way back when, I was 16, let's not do the math of when that was, I was tutoring some kids, and recently, I saw that one of them um, ended up going to prison, and was tried as an adult for, I think it was for robbery and attempted murder, and I think they were 16 or 17, so that was hard. I was like, oh my goodness. One, I felt super old. Two, I was like, oh my gosh, like I always wondered what happened to this kid. And three, I was heartbroken. So this movie kind of really hit home for me. So let's talk about it. I personally have opinions on this topic, and since this is my podcast, I can talk about it. And I think I think the most frustrating part about the movie was that these kids are being tried as adults and they did commit adult level crimes. So this is a huge spoiler alert. I'm sorry, but I just To give you context, you kind of need to know, like, where my feelings are coming from. So one of the kids ended up uh, shooting into a car and paralyzing a young lady, an innocent bystander, pretty much. And another one was caught up in gang life. And the other one, I forgot what he did. He did something. So these were adult-level crimes. And these boys were between the ages of 14 and 16. So I think that number is what really bothered me that we're trying these kids as adults. And let me get further background. So not only are these kids being tried as adults, but they're being sentenced to life without parole. Or they're, they're going to trial for being sentenced to life without parole. And one of them, after he serves his time, is going to be sent back to the country that he came from when all of his family lives in America. So that bothered me too. And I feel like that happens, that probably happens a lot in most cases. But that was just... That really bothered me. I get, I get that there are consequences to actions. I get that the young lady who is now paralyzed has had a change in her life. And that is because of this young man's actions. And I'm not going to discredit that. She deserves justice for what happened to her. Justice should be served. My thing is life without parole for a 14-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Adults... I think, okay, so I think, I used to think that this was a black and white issue, 
But the more I researched, the more I was in this gray area. And it was kind of weird because I like to make like black and white decisions just because of that's who I am as a person. I can be really logical sometimes and then I can be really in the clouds. But when I do get to my logical side, I like to see things in black and white. And I realized that there were shades of gray to this problem and this issue. So in the movie, they talk about trying to pass a law, and this takes place in California. So they're trying to pass a law in California where these kids who are being sentenced as a, who are being tried as adults have an option to do 15 years and then be up for eligible for parole after 15 years. Now, that to me makes more sense. This, that makes more sense than taking a 14-year-old and saying, for the next 80 to 90 years of your life, you're going to be confined. I think because the brain of a young person isn't fully developed, they're still learning, they're still impressionable, but a lot of them at that age, you're impressionable. You want to be like your friends, you want to do what your friends are doing, you want to do what's cool and what's, what's you know, what's hot. Okay, I sound super old, but you want to do what's cool and what's popular. And there's like a whole psychology thing behind it, but I forgot, I literally took developmental psychology last semester and I literally could not tell you anything I learned because... Uh, yes, I couldn't tell you a single thing I learned. It's hard learning in a pandemic. Like, I, you're just, like, learning to survive and keep going. And then, like, I try to recall stuff, and I'm like, I couldn't tell you what I learned. Same thing for anatomy and physiology. Couldn't tell you what I learned. Have to review it, like, every other day. So that's besides the point. That's my point. I just feel like, I guess that's how some people just view the incarceration system. But I guess you have some of the people who should not be in society at, at the present time based on their actions but I feel like they should also be learning about their actions too and not just like hey you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life because you did xyz that is all I don't know how I feel about this I don't know I just feel like people should learn while they are confined there's this Netflix special docuseries about people in confinement. I forget, I think it's in Arizona where they're actually eligible to graduate from high school and then go into a, a college within a confinement program, which I thought was beautiful. And I'm like, why Why aren't more places of confinement doing this? Why is this not an option? These are still people at the end of the day. And they most definitely should deal with the consequences of their actions. But why can't we also help them at the same time? It's like when you have a kid and you put them in timeout, uh, you tell them, well, this, okay, this is what happens on the nanny show, but she would tell the, the kids, hey, you're in timeout because of X, Y, Z, and here's what we can do next time. I feel like that does not happen when it comes to confinement. I feel like it's, it's like, hey, you're in timeout, literally timeout for 20 to 60 years. That is all. I think it's, I think it's the same thing for adults. It's like, hey, you did X, Y, Z, so I'm going to put you in timeout for the rest of your life. That is all. Versus, hey, you did this. I'm going to put you in confinement for X amount of time, but I'm also going to show you what you did is wrong and help you not to make the same mistake again or help you learn why what you did was wrong and how we can fix it. That is something that I think we should be doing. I have feelings about people who take other people's lives people who hurt the innocent, things like that. I have strong feelings about that, and they should definitely deal with the consequences of their actions, but why can't we help them at the same time? And I also feel some type of way about our justice system, because who are we, 
I don't know. I just feel like I don't want to put my religion aside, but like, who are we to judge? Yes, there should be consequences for actions. I'm not saying that there should not ever be a consequence for your action. I guess my thing is, is there's a need that needs to be met. And there's a gap in how we help people who are confined and how we help them transition to when they're released. Is there a learning curve that exists? Like for this one young man in this docuseries, well, the documentary, I was in the docuseries, he literally left juvenile detention and did exactly what he did before he got into juvenile detention. There was no like transition program for him. Like here are the temptations you'll have when you leave. Here's how we can fight against that. Or here are coping mechanisms. Or here's a support system for you. Nothing. It was just like write letters to your friends when you get out. Yes, it's nice to have friends and like to write them and, and to encourage them. But who's also supporting you? Because his family was not doing the best job. I'm just saying. Like it was very frustrating to watch that. It was just heartbreaking. And I'm like, I feel like this is a thing that we release people from confinement. But there's no transition to the real world for them. There's no like, hey, this is what life's like outside of confinement. This is how the world has changed. And here's how I can prepare you for the change of the world. What you learn within the walls of confinement are very different from how the world works now. The subculture that existed while you were in confinement is very different from the subculture that exists outside of confinement. And I feel like that is not taught properly to people who are in confinement, which is why as I mentioned before, the recidivism rates are so high, especially in the United States. We're not rehabilitating people. We're not teaching them. We're not helping them become better people. And that is just frustrating because I love to help people. And if I can some way, shape or form help in the confinement industry, I totally would. I personally don't think I have like the not the personality, just the like, I'm a giant teddy bear. I don't know how that would run over. <laughs> Very sensitive. Don't know how that would run over. But I don't know. I just feel like we could be doing so much more for people in confinement. And I feel that we're failing our young people who then become adults who then behave in this manner. So if we can help them when they're younger and guide them properly, give them the support system they need, set up therapy for them, because I think everyone needs to go to therapy at least once and help these kids so they don't become the adults who do X, Y, Z, maybe the world will change. There are other docu-series on Netflix about young girls who are incarcerated, who are in juvenile detention centers. There's ones, uh, like I said, like the 90 Days Behind Bars. I think that's what the show is called. Like you're in this, you're seeing this complex, this incarceration complex, and you're seeing why people are being placed in confinement, and you're seeing like why, what's wrong with it, and why changes have not been made, and why it is the way it is. And again, when it comes to these young people in these docu-series, they're being failed by the system, by their support systems, by the system that exists within juvenile detention centers or prisons in general. It's like, how can we help these kids? There's this book that I read. The book is called Push Out. I'm definitely going to skim it again before I talk about it next episode because it really, it really touched my soul I guess is what I want to say so again it's called Push Out it was written by the lovely and wonderful Monique W. Morris 
I'll just read a quick description of the book. The book is chronicles of the experience of black girls across the country whose intricate lives are misunderstood, highly judged by teachers, administrators, and the justice system, and they're degraded by the very institutions charged with helping them flourish. Pushout exposes a world of confined potential and supports the rising movement to challenge the policies, practices, and cultural literacy that pushes countless students out of schools and into unhealthy, unstable, and unsafe futures. So this book talks about curriculum to confinement, and I'm going to go in more in depth as to why I kept saying confinement versus jail or prison or uh, what is it called? The school to prison pipeline. It's a curriculum to confinement uh, transition, I guess is the proper term. But it talks about young black girls, and I also feel that the confinement system itself has failed our kids and I want to talk about young black girls too in our next podcast episode so I'm not done with this topic but I just wanted to like to get my viewpoint out there and kind of give you guys like a a foundation of what I'm going to talk about next episode I I think I'm just so passionate about helping others and I feel like there's such a need and such a gap in helping other people and helping rehabilitate people if you if we want them out of these confinement centers we want them back into I hate saying society but back into society how can we make them the most successful people possible it's like I'm going to throw you in here for x amount of years then I'm going to rip you out and put you back in the world and hope for the best but also know that you're going to be back within the next year and a half like that's unacceptable how can we change that and I feel like if we can nip it in the bud at a younger age so we don't have to deal not to have so they don't have to have these situations when they get older that would be awesome. I know that we can do better as a society. I know that there's room to grow and I have hope that this next generation coming up, Generation Z, are going to be the ones who are the movers and shakers of this world. They have been when it's come to things like the Black Lives Matter movement and women's rights and the Me Too movement. They have been completely awesome at advocating for themselves and others and it gives me hope that maybe when it is time when it comes to the confinement system they'll be able to help make a change not saying that millennials like myself are unable to do so when we do combine together we stop the world and make them listen so I definitely think if we can I hate saying join forces but if Gen Z and the millennials can come together anything is possible honestly especially when these older members of Gen Z are old enough to vote and becoming old enough to vote that it's not scary it's exciting it's like wow we're gonna be able to make a change you know but anyway I know this episode's been kind of long and I'm kind of all over the place but I'm going to be talking about Push Out by Monique W. Morris that's all I'm going to be talking about next episode so please be prepared for me to talk about young black girls from the curriculum to confinement transition if you don't want to listen to it like just prepare for the next next episode but I'm very excited to talk about this and to read it again because I'm definitely gonna go through read it one more time just to make sure like I have the right thoughts in my head I guess is the proper thing to say so yeah that is it for today peace love and blessings to all of you have a great day make great choices change the world one day at a time I love you all and have a blessed week